Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and I'm joined by my handsome co-host, Dewey. Say hello to everybody, Dewey. Hello, everybody, and hello, my beautiful, and I am still messed up. (laughs) Dewey is having a bad morning, y'all. We're going to just keep recording because this is our third start, (laughs) so bear with him today. He uh, he had a late night working and... uh, and hasn't quite woken up yet, so, uh, oh, no, I so have it's not. okay, honey. We'll we'll take you just the way you are. Okay, so today you want to be talking about cats who bite, and I believe you refer to them as the biters, as you call them, right? Right, I do, and I have one locked in my um, captured in with me in my recording room. Our foster, Mango Chutney, he's one of the ones I want to talk about. We're going to talk about three cases today, him and uh, two others that that come from listeners. Um, You know, and these are, when I say biters, they're not biting other cats necessarily. These are the biters, the human aggression cases. And those are the most complicated I deal with because there's lots of moving parts it's really challenging to decipher what's causing the aggression, and it takes lots of patience and perseverance to modify these behaviors. It's a slow process. Okay. So let's, let's kick off with, um, with our first um, listener case. That sounds great. Let's kick off with one of the clients whose, whose name is Jessica. She writes... The ragdoll I have now tends to get overstimulated when being pet, especially when I touch her near the face. She will be giving you kisses, I'm assuming she means licking, yeah. on your hand, and then delivers a love bite. She gives kisses in the face, but has, been, has never bitten my face. So I know her overstimulation is directed at the hands. I assume this is due in part from her being a cat that was used for breeding for approximately eight years. I'm sure her living arrangements and treatment wasn't ideal. Hands grabbing you all the time is going to make you not like them. She's never aggressive or bites hard, but I know it's not ideal. I don't mind it as much as my 15-year-old daughter does. I think my daughter triggers the behavior, not intentionally, just partially because she's not aware of her triggers. What would you say to Jessica to help with her love-biting cat? Well, first I want to applaud Jessica for even mentioning triggers. So many people aren't even aware that they exist or aren't familiar with that word. A lot of people feel like cats are just mean or retaliating or angry or punishing them in some way, when in fact that's not the cat's motivation at all. Cats don't really experience those emotions. They experience fear 
And that fear will often exhibit itself as aggression. And they can have bite inhibition for other reasons as well. But as far as emotions are considered, um, you know, that I'm mad isn't, isn't one of those. So, and, and for those of you who don't know what we're talking about when we say a trigger, that is something that precedes the behavior and can contribute to it happening. For instance, if a cat bites every time you touch its tail, then touching the tail is what triggers a bite. And I just triggered a bite, actually, because when I talk, I tend to talk with my hands. And Mango Chutney, who we'll talk about next, just came running across the table and bit my hand while I was talking. (laughs) That was the trigger, me moving my fingers. So a cat's history does play a big role in their behavior. So the fact that Jessica's ragdoll was used as a breeder queen in what sounds like may not have been a very reputable breeding facility, you know, she's likely that she didn't get a lot of physical, you know, interaction and physical affection like a normal pet would. And and that definitely plays a part into how she is today. A part of a cat's behavior is also inherited. I believe strongly in genetic remembering. I had a kitten once that I rescued out of the bushes, and it was a a kitten from many generations of a feral colony that lived across the street. And one day, one of the moms moved her litter of kittens over to our side of the street. I think it's when the landscapers came, and then moved them all back, but left one little guy. And he was screaming and crying, and it took me hours in the rain to catch him. I finally caught him. He bit me badly in the process. Little tiny tyke. He had teeth, so he's probably four weeks old or so, four or five weeks. And I raised him with other cats. And he was not a nice, I mean, he was not, I say he's not a nice cat. That's bad. That's not, that's not the right thing to say. He was always fearful of people, even though he did not have one bad human experience since he was born. He was always fearful of people. Now, where did he get that? He, there's nothing in his, in his experiences that would have contributed to that. It had to be genetic remembering from his parents. He was separated from his mom small enough that she he didn't really get to witness her interacting with people long enough to have that have imprinted. So I really believe that where a cat comes from genetically from a behavior standpoint, what its parents and grandparents and great-grandparents experienced with people has a lot to do with how your cat is going to behave. So if you're looking for a new cat, it's very important that you get as much information on that as possible. And if you're going to buy from a breeder, and we'll do an episode someday on buying, you know, how to choose a reputable breeder. You know, I, I always say if you can if you can find a cat from a shelter, please do, because this world is full of homeless and, you know, cats in shelters. So If you can find something, but if you're the kind of person that absolutely positively has to have some specific breed, then getting a cat from a reputable breeder is very, very important, which involves going over there and and seeing how the pets live in that person's home. But you can change the behavior over time. You know, you can't change a cat's personality completely, but you can change that behavior. And it takes us being hyper-observant for the signs that your cat is about to bite. You know, for instance, if she delivers those love bites after about the eighth lick, 
then put her down out of your lap after the fourth lick. Preempting the behavior is half of the equation. So you want to be real sure that you are not allowing your interaction with your cat to get all the way to the bite. You want to stop it right before the bite. So that means you've got to be aware of what that cat's doing to trigger or what what is triggering that behavior. The other half of the equation is ignoring the biting. And it's really hard for two reasons. Because you want to cuddle and touch them. And, and you want them to respond positively to you. And the second is because if you if it bit you hard, you're in pain. And it's hard not to just reflexively react negatively to something that's causing you pain. And it's really difficult, like you said, Jessica, about your daughter. It's real, real difficult for children to understand what's happening because young people, it, it's hard for them to walk in other people's shoes, especially teenagers. You're, they're in those years where, you know, life is all about them. And, and I don't mean that negatively, but life is, is beginning to unfold and blossom. And they're really having to spend a lot of time in their own heads figuring that out and 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 developing thought processes and stances that are going to be there for the rest of their lives. But they haven't survived many traumatic experiences. So they don't have a personal point of reference or empathy for things like PTSD, which is basically what your cat is going through. It's often, you know, if you, if you watch The Voice, it's like the young kids on The Voice that have to sing very emotional songs. And the coaches will always tell them, yeah, you know, I, I know you've never had heartache because you're 14, but you know, think of something in your life that you can relate to on an emotional level that, you know, that is gonna make that emotion come out in this song. And that's exactly what a, a kid has to do when they're dealing with a pet. They've got to be able to put themselves in that pet's shoes or paws, walk a mile in their paws so that they can understand what has that cat been through that might cause it to react that way. So the first thing I do is spend some time with your child and and have some of those conversations. Try to find out what's gone on in their life that's been traumatic that they can relate to and then relate that to the cat or the dog, if you have a dog or whatever you have that's biting in this case. So I did a lot of rambling there, but the first thing you do is to become very aware of everything surrounding the bite event. What time of day it happens, what the victim is doing in the minutes leading up to the bite, what the cat does after the bite. Does he go run and hide? Does he you know, jump and hold on tighter? You know, who else is around and anything else that you can think of, the more detailed, the better. I recommend keeping a journal to keep these facts straight. And the second thing you can do is to control your reaction to the cat's behavior. Under no circumstances do you tolerate it. That does not mean punish the cat or scold it, however. It means put the cat down, out of your lap, move away, turn your back, hide your hands, curl up your fingers, leave the room, totally and completely ignore the cat. 
Shut the cat in a different room if you have to. Eventually, the cat will learn that the biting causes you to leave, and that's not what it really wants, and it will slowly begin to stop. Well, you know, that's a lot of information to take in. And so I I had a question, and I believe it was, what about punishing? Can't you spurt something, some water, or spurt some water or something to discourage the cat or the biting? And no, it never, it, punishing never works. It, if you've got a cat like mango chutney and, and you know, you, you do something like that, it just gets him more wound up. He's just going to be, you know, really wound up. If you've got a cat that's already fearful of people, then it's just going to fuel that fear. You, you know, they know it's coming from you. They can see and hear the squirt bottle and it's in your hand. And so, you know, they, they know that it's coming from you. So that fear and uncertainty of how that person is going to move drives that behavior in the first place, and you're really reinforcing those fears. So that, that doesn't, doesn't ever work. Okay, so let's talk about foster kitty mango chutney. Yeah, who is just <laughs> going ballistic in here, by the way. <laughs> now, he is quite the biter. I'm telling you, that, uh, he's quite the biter. And putting him down and ignoring him doesn't uh, start working, but it's slow to change. Is there anything you can do to make it stop? Well, Mango's, you know, first of all, he's adorable. If you follow me on Facebook, you have seen lots of Mango Chutney lately. And he's a little red tabby with orange eyes and he's about four or five months old and he's just the cutest thing ever. And so you really want to reach down and pet mango and you want to pick him up and you want to touch him. And it's like sticking your hand in a blender, but (laughs) mango was raised solo. So he has a little bit different background than Jessica's cat. So I'm going to tell you how this is different. So uh, you can tell from Mango's history, he, he was found, he actually, I got him out of the shelter. He was found in an abandoned home that was known for drug dealing in a, in a rough part of town. And he was with a deceased person. And so the police officers called the shelter and said, you know, we've got a, a deceased person and they have a kitten with them. And, um, you know, you need to come get him. So they came and got him and he was held in keepsake for two weeks. And then I pulled him out and we've been fostering him. So I knew nothing about his behavior before I got him here. But I would assume that he was raised as a solo kitten. And because a lot of cats that don't have the experience, and I've got to let him out of the room, literally climbing the walls. A lot of cats that don't have experience with other kittens. Yeah, go. Now he's got his tail caught in the door. (laughs) That'll be another episode. How do you deal with a tail caught in the door? (laughs) If a cat is raised, a kitten is raised with its siblings in a litter, then, you know, it learns bite inhibition from the other kittens. But if it's raised solo without other kittens around, then, you know, it doesn't learn how much pressure is is too much and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. So I can only imagine, you know, we don't know anything about this deceased person. Could have been a homeless person. Could have found this solo kitten and raised it by itself. And then, you know, who knows what was happening. But I can tell you that, you know, he 
laser hones in on hands. And so even if I try to distract his hand biting with a toy, I get a nice big, you know, feathery toy and, and move that around. He goes, he's not looking at the toy. He's laser focused on my hand and will go around the toy to bite the hand. So he really thinks that hands are toys because that's rough play is what's been happening. So that's one reason. And that's one reason that you never, ever, ever, ever play with cats with your hands. Fingers and hands are not toys. You've got to divert that to a toy. So, you know, and, and it's like, imagine, oh, my gosh, he just got back in here. <laughs> I must have closed the door tightly. <laughs> you left his tail in the door. <laughs> I, just, I was like, how did he get back in? I didn't close it tight. All right, I'm going to try him again in here. So, you know, think about it. If you were, if you were abused, let's say it was an abusive situation. I, I don't think that's the case with Mango because he he really does want to play and bite. It's it's. I don't know that he's afraid of hands. He doesn't cower or things like that. But if you were beat, you know, if you were hit for long periods of time, you'd be shy of hands too, especially if they moved quickly around you. Anything we have really strong negative emotion feelings about often creates phobias. So it's very, very important that you be consistent in your response of not tolerating the biting. You got to have lots of patience and know that he may never stop completely. Also know that biting is going to be his response to any fearful event in the future. You know, even if Mango does get better about biting hands, whenever he's challenged or scared, he's likely going to respond with his teeth because that's his history. You, oh, my gosh, he's going crazy. <laughs> You've got to know the triggers and, and avoid them. And so with Mango, it's certain times of the day. It's always at 930 every night like clockwork. You, you can set the clock to it. And his regular feeding schedule's last meal is at 10.30. And, you know, being hungry might have something to do with it. But at 9.30, he, he goes crazy. And you can also tell his tail. He does these cute little pilo erection, which is, which is the <laughs> Halloween cat. You know, he gets that all puffed cute. up. He puts That's his ears cute. back. And he kind of jumps at you sideways and then jumps on your hand to play, you know. Um, you can, you can definitely tell, you know, when he's running around and he's wound up, he bites. There's only a couple times of the day that I can actually safely pet him this morning. He, he sleeps with us all night long. It's the strangest thing. He'll, he'll cuddle up and he'll sleep next to us all night. He won't bite our feet in the bed. And in the morning I wake up and he's purring and I can reach over and just stroke the side of his face and his chin and under his collar and he purrs and he leans into it with his little eyes squeezed closed and maybe one other time in the day I can catch him when he's kind of real sleepy as long as I don't go up over his head I can never pet him over his head I have to sneak fingers into the side and he too is a licker he licks and licks and licks a hand. And and I didn't mention that when we were talking about Jessica's cat, but that has to do with the cat making you smell like them. So I can tell that he's very uncomfortable with hands. And to him, it's very calming that those hands smell like him. So he licks and licks and licks and licks. 
so that those hands will will smell like him and that makes him feel better. So when I've got him up and he's getting wiggly or I can tell and he starts, you know, starts that, I I don't say anything. I, I don't say no. I don't do anything. I just slowly and quietly withdraw my hand. I curl my fingers in. I stick my hand under my other armpit, up around, you know, on my chest, both of my fists on my chest. And so it, you know, it, it, it trains them to associate the word no with losing something, but it isn't shouted. So sometimes I do go, no, no mango, no. And I'm not going, no, mango, stop. You know, I don't, I don't do that because that would scare him of me. Raising my voice and yelling at him would be very scary. So I do say no quietly in a normal tone as I withdraw my hands because because he wants to play with my hands, then that's what he's after. And so when I remove my hands, which is the toy, I remove the toy, I'm putting a verbal cue to it so that he understands that no, you know, no means I'm going to lose something I want, that hand toy. So we're, it's slow. It's, it's, it's a very slow process. you got to have lots and lots of patience with a biter cat that, you know, comes with history. Yeah, I can see where that comes into play. So as we move on, you had another consult form you received from Pat who says, I have a cat who was playing very rough and biting he is six years old and got him and from beaten, a shelter. Beaten. He wasn't biting. He was played with very rough and beaten. Oh, beaten. Uh, again, sleeping still. <laughs> Get those he, sand out of your eyes. The sand. Yeah, man. <laughs> no kidding. They're watering up because the allergies also today. So it's a tough day for me to be on the radio. <laughs> yeah, he is six years old and got him from a shelter about a year ago. He attacks my legs and bites, that's probably what I was thinking, bites, then runs off and hides. He also bites uh, to get my attention. I've tried behavior corrective spray, and I've touched him on the nose and said no. This sounds a lot like one that we had here that bit you, uh, came up and bit you on the back of the leg. We're not going to talk about that. Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't have enough information about that cat to talk intelligently about that incident but but this cat pat's cat um you know her her little guy obviously has had a bit of a traumatic upbringing as she pointed out you know he's attacking her to get her attention so the best thing she can do is ignore the behavior any attempt at scolding again is actually reinforcing the unwanted behavior in this case so you know if a cat is attacking you and biting you to get your attention, kind of like Mingo does, then any kind of scolding, like if I were to shake my finger in Mango's face and say, no, Mango, all he's going to do, which I just did as I was talking, and he ran over and bit it. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what would happen is, you know, it's going to be rewarding him. He's going to go, yeah, there, that's that toy I want. Give me that finger. So you've really got to not... Um, ignore it, totally ignore it, because that's not what the cat wants. The cat wants your attention. Attention. So to counter this, 
you reward him with really yummy treats. And I don't mean, you know, the temptation stuff that he that he normally likes. I mean, you got to get something super, super different and special. I like to use turkey, just, you know, low sodium if you can get it. But go to the deli counter, not smoked, just regular turkey from the deli counter. Get it shaved. Go get you about a quarter of a pound. It'll run a buck or two. And, you know, I usually, if it goes on sale, I'll get a pound at a time and I break it up into those tiny snack um, Ziploc bags and I put them in the freezer and then I pull them out because I use them for training as well. I want to have, you know, this super yummy treat to be given on special occasions. So anytime Pat's cat is being calm and loving, she should give him a little bit of turkey, which means, you know, you might have to carry it with you in your pocket so that it's there every time or get up and go get it. But just this is just don't forget it in your pocket. Right. That would not be good. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to smell bad in about a yeah, week or, right. or not going to do good things to the washing machine. <laughs> so this is this is what we call counter conditioning. It's counter conditioning any fears he has lingering from past scary events and associations with people. So, you know, when cats are taught to play rough, which common mistake that people make with young kittens because it's hard not to it's so cute and they can't hurt you when they're young but they don't understand you know the nuances and timing and general associate appropriateness of of biting so you know this is largely due to being conditioned that hands and feet sometimes in this case maybe are toys which results in the cat attacking your feet and hiding when he wants to play so to retrain those notions, set aside at least two 20-minute sessions of prey play per day. So basically, you've got a cat that's wound up and needs to be able to burn off that energy in an appropriate way, and that's prey play. You know, cats will also display the bite-and-run behavior when they're bored. So make sure he's got plenty of tall climbing options. And this could be a tall cat tree, shelves that lead to a cat superhighway, bookcases, etc. You know, cats are more comfortable in high spaces. Even though they're not tree dwellers, we know that they're more comfortable being high, usually our head height or above. So I recommend having, if you have one cat, one, if you have multiple cats, multiple tall cat trees and use those as a safe zone. So when your cat is on that cat tree, the rule is for you to not touch your cat. The cat tree is home base. It's a place he can go for self-imposed timeouts, you know, and it's like with mango. You, you know, we have gotten to, you can't touch him. You know, I let him come to me. And again, it's very hard because he is so adorable. All you want to do is reach out and pet him. But we can't because then he will bite. And so I know that reaching towards him is causing a bite. So I don't. And when I don't, he comes over to me. So I can, you know, I I don't ever want to have hands in contact with him that is provoking a bite. That is just reinforcing that behavior. I also find that nutrition plays a key role in how confident and secure your cat feels. So in a nutshell, and and we don't have time to go into, you know, all that's wrapped up in that statement, but in a nutshell, don't leave food out all day. That's boring. 
you need to feed in a manner that's similar to what your cat would be eating in the wild. So canned food, obviously, because that best mimics the prey that they would eat from in the wild. It's moist. They get most of their water from that. They got to have lots of hydration. A cat will eat nine to 10 mice-sized meals a day. So the cat eats nine to 10 mice a day in the wild to stay alive, but he's going to eat it throughout the day. So I recommend that you feed at least four to five small meals throughout the day. And there are food timers and things like that. If you go, oh my God, I work, I could never do that. There are timers with cold packs. You can make this happen. I know, we do. Only feed dry food at night and only in food puzzles. And that's great mental stimulation. So, you know, the cat is is not bored because it's got interval feedings, which is much more natural to its its environment, its, its natural environment. And it's having to forage for some food in a food puzzle, which is also mentally stimulating. So even just how you feed and when you feed, if you change that up, you can, your cat is going to, is going to feel better and more confident. There is a podcast that goes into this in depth. It's it's what to feed your cat. Um, there's also another podcast that I think you might find useful, 12 Ways to Boost Confidence in Your Cat. Both of those pertain to what we're talking about today and will help a cat feel more confident and and hopefully reduce that need to bite. But don't forget that you have to play your part in ignoring it and not inciting it. So those are the two main messages for today. And listen yeah. to some of our other podcasts, you know. What, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say I I can, you know, I'm guilty, guilty, guilty all over. Uh, as, you know, for years playing with kittens, I always, you know, used the hands like everyone else and played with the kitten and probably encouraged some of that biting and encouraged, excuse me, allergy season, allergy season. So, um, yeah, so I was guilty of playing with the kitten and trying to, you know, just incite it a little bit. And just because they're so cute when they just rear up and they jump around and it's just, you know, I, I get it. It's, it's fun that way, but I, I didn't realize that I was creating such a bad behavior. And, uh, yeah, so, so for, like, for, for those guys that are listening out there, sometimes, you know, we are the worst because, you know, we play with the kitty different than what mama plays with the kitty, you know? Yeah. You guys you know, do tend to like to get them more riled up. Yeah, you know, it, we'd like to get them riled up. And yeah. like Mango, you know, when he's in one of his moods where he just won't stop, he's just leaping at your arm and biting and leaping and biting, you know, that tells me he, his his energy level is super high because he's young. And he needs to burn that energy off. You know, you need to think about your cat being like a two-year-old, two or three-year-old if you have a young cat. And so I go over and I, I grab a wand toy and I run him all around with the wand toy and I throw balls that he can chase and I try to wear him out in appropriate ways, not with my hands. But if I don't acknowledge the fact that he's wound up and he needs some outlet for his energy, then he's going to take it out on me. You know, I have to interject one more thing here uh, as, as I'm waking up a little bit here. I was thinking about, you know, a lot of a lot of playing 
with your pet is a lot about you as much it is as it is about the pet and everybody sort of tends to direct it toward the pet and the pet needs this but sometimes you know the fun part is that you it's about you you're having fun with your pet just like interacting with your kids you know you're having fun with your kids so for the guys out there that are listening maybe you know, think about instead of playing with your hands to create this problem of biting, maybe get a little small fishing pole and put a, you know, a lightweight toy on it where you can flip it down the hallway or flip it out in front of you and reel it in and let the cat come after it. Uh, or one of the other things that uh, if your kitty likes balls, the little, you know, just grab a little ball and play soccer with it. Cats love to chase the ball and you kind of like to get out there and kick the ball a little bit. So, you know, kick it around Take. your house a little bit and let the cat chase it and, you know, vice versa. You guys will come up with some really fun things to do because, you know, playing with your your pets is just as much about you as it is them. Be sure to take that hook off the fishing pole before you put a toy on the end. Please. Oh, <laughs> dang. Spoiled it. <laughs> no, I think that was obvious. But anyway, what a great show, Molly. You're always so insightful and you always have great information. And you do a lot of homework and a lot of research and a lot of study. And, and you put it all to practice in everything that you do and how you do it and the people that interact and listen to these podcasts, um, love it, and uh, we want to keep that going. So for all you people out there listening, please listen to some more of our podcasts. We have things on there like, is fostering for you, question mark, and is fostering uh, shy cats? Um, um, not That's not what it says. It says fostering shy cats. <laughs> that's another episode. So send us ideas like this one. Also, help us out by following Cat Behavior Solutions on Instagram and hit the like button on the Cat Behavior Solutions slash Cat Talk Radio page on Facebook and share it with the other cat owners because we're getting new and new people, more and more new people around the world that's listening to us because someone else shared the podcast. So please share the podcast. We've just hit over a thousand likes on Facebook. So thank you, everybody. Be sure to to like us on Facebook and and share that. It's great resources. I often post, you know, my blogs. I'll repost blogs on there. Um, And and on the website, you know, share the website resources, catbehaviorsolutions.org. Um, there's also a behavior boutique on there. We offer free shipping for orders over $49. And so you just make a donation and you get that product shipped to you. And, um, there's some, there's some food puzzles on there. That's what you need to do. Get you some food puzzles. That'll, that'll help in, in a small way with your biting cat. And, um, and like I said, I've started a, a dear Molly blog and you guys have been awesome sending me questions that helped me to populate that. So, please feel free to, to keep sending me questions. And uh, you can reach me, molly at cattalkradio.com. And if you're having a problem that just seems completely unsolvable, I'm totally available for virtual consultations at this time. Uh, we are still in 
in the COVID shelter in place orders, but uh, hopefully soon I can resume my in-home consultations as well. And if you've learned something from one of our podcasts, please consider sending us a gratuity donation. Send us a tip. Any amount helps to keep the show on the air. We, it isn't free and helps us to keep delivering resources to cat owners to keep these cats out of shelters because shelter euthanasia is still the number one cause of death in cats. And as long as that's the case, we are going to be continuing to come to you with these podcasts and blogs and throwing information out at you so that you can be a better cat mommy and daddy and never have to surrender that pet. So thank you for joining us today. And until next time, keep calm and purr on. Yay. Goodbye, everyone. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend. 